Thank you for listening to the Resting Place Church podcast. Our dream is that your heart would find rest as we learn to practice the ways of Jesus faithfully. So we hope this message both blesses and encourages you. I want to jump right into the message this morning. Our, we are in week four of our series called Our Sacred Rhythm. And I think it's important that you know what that means uh, before I just start preaching on this fourth part. We believe that if you have a rhythm of life, if you have a rule of life or a way of life, that in when you practice those things, it makes margin in your life for God to move, for God to interrupt. And so uh, everything that we do, we're not just practicing rules here. We're not just being a bunch of Pharisees. <laughs> we just have a way that we feel, a way of life that we feel God is calling us into. And as he calls us into that way of life, we are looking for him in all the places that we can look for him. And today we are talking about our fourth way of life. And that is we give generously. We give generously. And it's just a part of what we do here. We are givers. We like to give. It gives us joy to be able to give. We don't, we don't give and think like, oh man, like, I, no, no, we hold everything that we have with an open hand so that we can bless those that need it. I want to read from Luke chapter 12 this morning. And I'm actually going to read from a, a translation that I don't normally read from, um, but it is the Passion Translation. It was uh, written by Eugene Peterson, who just happens to be my favorite pastor because he is a rejection to everything modern. And so, shocker. Um, <laughs> But he wrote, the, he wrote the message, sorry, not the Passion Translation. And so I'm going to be reading from the message this morning. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 15. We're going to go to 21, then we're going to jump down to 29 through 34. And I want you to lean in this morning. Speaking to the people, he went on. Take care, listen to this, protect yourselves against the least bit of greed. Protect yourselves against the least bit of grief. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. So he can say, he, what he's saying here is that you can be greedy if you're rich or broke. If you're rich or poor, you can be greedy. Then he told them the story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself. He says, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, this is, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll, then I'll gather in my grain and goods and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy. Have the time of your life. And then, just then, God showed up and said, fool, tonight you die and your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. And then Jesus kind of explains what he's talking about. This is what he says. 
what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax and not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. I want to say that again. I'm trying to get you to relax. These are the words of Jesus. Relax. (laughs) And not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. Notice, giving is not an act to get God to respond. Giving is our act in response to the fact that Jesus and God has already given. Right? Right. And this is what he says. People who don't know God the way he works fuss over these things. But you both know God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions, and you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. Be generous. Give to the poor. I feel like that this next part could be like a Christian rap song, but you just take it where your mind wants to go. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers. A bank you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, would you pierce our hearts with it? Say something to us that is transformative. Do something in us that we've never had done in us before. Lord, we love you and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jansen, you're good, dog. You're good. Everybody give it up for Jansen in the house. Man of God. There's three types of people in the world that I've met. And, of course, you can't just categorize people like that. But I'm just speaking generally. Three types of people. When it, when it pertains to money and generosity. And I'm going to tell you just some fun stuff this morning. So, the first type of person. What's yours is mine. Right? What's yours is mine. The second type of person. What's mine is mine. Now, if you would like a clear picture of this type of person. I have a son in the kids department that I want you to meet after service. What's yours is mine. What's mine is mine, right? Recently, we had a discussion about the iPads that I, that are, that are mine and that are his mom's. And I got a new iPad for work. This is Beckham's first response. That's my iPad. And Anna's like, no, it's not. It's my iPad. He's like, that's my... He doesn't say iPad. He says, that's my iPad. <laughs> and then I was like, it's literally not yours. It's your mother's. And then he says this, oh, it's our iPad. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not ours. <laughs> it's not ours. He will 
like Beckham will break a toy, and then that's your toy, right? The one that's broken. But the ones that are fine, those are his, and you cannot touch them. My toy, right? And then there's this third type of person. What's mine comes from God. Everything that I have comes from God. And the reason that I told you those first two type of people is because those are two immature ways to think about money. It's how two and a half year olds think about money, right? What's yours is mine. I can take all of your money and not do anything for it. What's yours is mine. And then you have the other person, what's mine is mine. And guys, we are the worst about this. I work hard for my money, so I'll spend it how I want. Right? We're the worst about that. But then you have the third person. Everything that I have comes from God. Everything that I have comes from God, so I know that it's not even mine to begin with. It's God's. Everything that I have is God's. And he has access to everything that I have at any given moment. This is some things that I've just been doing some, some chat GPT research on. <laughs> right? Chat GPT is terrible at writing sermons, but it's great at getting information for them. Just thought I'd put that out there. Generosity before we dive into the, to the meat of this message, I want you to know generosity, that's, generosity stands on two legs, okay? The first one is stewardship, and the other one is giving. Let me tell you how you can't be generous if you don't have anything to be generous with, right? If you don't know how to manage your money, you ain't gonna have no money to be generous with. And this is, this is great because this just applies across the board. This is true if you make $10 an hour, if you make $100 an hour, if you make $400,000 a year, or if you make $40,000 a year. It's true across the board. If you don't know how to manage your money the way that God tells us to manage our money, you won't have any to be generous with. And that is the purpose of money, right? Just want to throw that out there. But this is what the Bible says, right? It mentions the word love 714 times, faith over 600 times. It says, tells us to pray over 650 times, and it tells us to give over 2,000 times. Giving and being generous is as important as your walk with God, as believing God, praying, fasting, reading your Bible, all of that. It's just as important. It's in the same level. It's on the same playing field. And so I want to give you three things today so that you can be the latter person that I talked about, right? So that you can be a person who says, everything that I have comes from God, and I'm going to be generous with that. I'm going to give you three things this morning. The first thing that you need to do if you want to move towards generosity is that you, please hear me when I say this, you need to get a plan. You need a plan. You need a plan. Let me say it like this. You need a budget. That's the B word. You need a budget. Right? Let me show you what happens. People without a plan, let me show you. 
they want bigger and more. They want to do like the guy in this, in this text here. They want bigger barns, right? They want bigger barns to be impressive, right? Can I just talk plainly about money this morning? The reason that you have a desire for things that you can't afford is because you have a desire to be impressive to people. It's a good one. People without a plan, they buy cars, houses, clothes, and all kinds of other stuff that they cannot afford to impress people that they don't even like. And for sure, don't like them. If your friends are friends with you based off of the size of your house, what kind of car you drive, and what kind of clothes you wear, you need new friends. You need new ones. They live, people without a plan, live in a state of not enough no matter how much they have. They never have enough. And no amount will ever be enough. They play the numbers game, right? You know the numbers game. You got to hit more square footage. You got to get to that threshold of income per year before you can be generous. You have to have a higher price tag on a car. You have to hit, you have to get a bigger one. You have to get a better one. Those are what, that's what people do without a plan. Listen, set and create a budget and set goals within that budget that you can hit. Right? There's nothing, nothing wrong with having financial goals. There's nothing wrong with having financial goals. What's wrong is, is when that you are the only person in mind when you are creating those goals. If it's for you to get more and to have nicer and to look cooler and to be whatever, then goals become a problem. Because they're not to be generous and they're not because you want to take care of what you have. It's so that you can look a certain way to people that don't even know you, right? That's why. Plans tell your money where it goes instead of wondering where it went. That's what a plan does. It tells your money where it goes instead of wondering where it went. Now, you all, don't lie, at some point in your life, you've looked at your checking account and be like, what the heck has happened? Who stole my card? <laughs> Funny story. I remember my first job. Uh, I was working in an internship, in an HR internship, making about $15 an hour. I was like 19, so that was, I was rich, okay? I had no bills, making $15 an hour. I was rich. And I thought... What I will do is, is I will just go on this massive spending spree and I will buy every book that I have ever wanted ever. This still happens, by the way. But this is what I did. I got on Amazon and I just clicked, you know, when they first come out with the Amazon, it's swipe to buy now. That's the most dangerous thing in the world. So like I would just see a book that kind of looked interesting. Swipe. Swipe, swipe, swipe. 
And all of a sudden, my cards declined. <laughs> I'm swiping, and I swipe so many times that I have no money. And I'm like, huh, I'm going to be real smart next week, but I'm not going to be able to do this anything this week because I don't have any money to do it. But the only thing that I have to do now is read because I've ordered all these books, but I don't have any money. If I would have had a plan, that wouldn't have happened. If I would have been on a budget, that wouldn't have happened. Now, I still buy the occasional book, <laughs> meaning... It's in the budget. <laughs> and if I like it, I'm probably going to order it. But it's within a plan. So now that I have a plan and I have a budget, I'm not swiping all the time. And then all of a sudden I don't have any money, but I have all these theology books sitting around. Here's a really simple plan. Like if you want just for me to give you a really simple plan for you to start being a generous person. This is as simple as I know how to, how to do it. Give 10% of your income to the kingdom of God. Save 10% of your income for yourself and live off 80. That's as simple as a plan that I know how to give you. Give 10, save 10, live off 80. Do me tell you how I know that that's possible for you? Because inflation just happened and not everybody got a raise. And if your boss come in tomorrow and said, you can keep your job, but we're cutting your pay by 20%, you would make it work. You wouldn't just, ah, I quit. Unless you had a lot of money in the bank. Joe just patted Wes on the back because Joe was Wes's boss. You'd be in prayer for Wes. <laughs> His blessing makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. <laughs> Give 10, save 10, live off 80. You can do this. You can make this work. But listen, this is just the start of you becoming generous. Living off 10, saving 10. Live, or, sorry, living off 10. <laughs> Don't recommend. Unless you've got a lot of money. In fact, so actually, we're going, we're going to flip the script. Give 90, and y'all just figure out how to live off 10. <laughs> yeah. No. Give 10, save 10, live off 80. And this is the start of generosity. Listen, some of you can do more than this. Because of the, the amount of income that you make, 10% is nothing. Saving 10% is nothing. Living off 80%, you, are, you already have too much money. You can do that, right? This is what, this is what uh, Luke 16 says. It says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, listen to this, who will trust you with, with the true riches of heaven? If you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with your own? No one can serve two masters. You'll hate one and you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The lie that you will tell yourself, this is the lie that you will tell yourself. When you have more, 
you're going to start being generous. You will not. You will not. If I gave you all the money that you've ever asked for right now, you would do exactly what you're doing right now. You would just do more of it. You would just do more of it. If you had more, you would do what you're currently doing right now with it. And you'll say things like this. If I had more, I would pay off people's medical debt that I know. You wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. If I had more, I would feed hungry people. You wouldn't. Not unless you're doing it now. I would clothe the sick if I had more. I would do whatever if more was there. And I'm just telling you, that's not true. You wouldn't. You will do exactly what you are doing right now with more. And can I tell you how you can not feel guilty about having, not having a lot? You can give into something or somewhere that does all of those things. It's not your responsibility to feed every hungry, hungry person. It's not your responsibility to provide clothes for every person. It's not your responsibility to pay off every person's medical debt. But I can confidently tell you that at this church, we pay off medical debt. We clothe people who don't have clothes. We do all of those things. And so you can be a part of something or a part of an organization that does that. Right? You can start now doing that. You can start now. So here, here's something that I want you to write down if you're taking notes. In the kingdom of God, we do not live off of yesterday's obedience and tomorrow's intention. In the kingdom of God, we do not live off of yesterday's obedience and tomorrow's intention, but we live off today's obedience and today's intention. The kingdom of God is now. It is now. Listen, decide that you are going to get a plan to be generous and stick to it. This is what Isaiah 32 says. But generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to be generous. They plan to be generous. So if you are going to get a plan, and I said that this is about that generosity stands on two legs, which is stewardship and giving. The next thing that you have to do after you get a plan is you actually have to give. You have to give. When you have money, you have to give it. I, this is my favorite passage of Scripture, especially those uh, who are politically charged in one certain direction or the other. I love this passage of Scripture for this very reason. Jesus' response to wealth was not poverty. He did not look at the wealthy man and say, you don't need all that money. What he said is, you need to give it away. It is amazing to me when Christians critique rich people. It's amazing. I literally am perplexed. I'm like, oh, okay. We should critique people for having money, who can do something about the things that we want to do something about. Hmm, wonder where we're going to get our money from. Have you tried praying about it? How's that working out? It's not. 
Jesus' response to wealth was not poverty. When people ask me, do you preach a prosperity gospel? I sure as heck do not preach a poverty one, but I don't know which one I do preach. But I sure as heck do not preach the one that says you need to be poor. I don't preach that one. (laughs) Listen, the answer to wealth is not poverty, it's generosity. The answer to a lot of money and the answer to God not, or money not becoming a God to you is not that you become poor. It's that you become generous. Money, if if you don't hear anything else I say, money is either a tool in the hand of the generous or it's a God in the heart of the greedy. I'm going to say it again. Money, your money, is either a tool in your hand or it's a God in your heart. And you get to choose which one it is. You know that Jesus in church, I don't apologize for talking about money ever. Jesus talked about money 42% of the time that he talked that we have recorded. So could you imagine if like you come to church and 42% of the time I talked about money? We preach a sermon in the spring on money and I do a series every fall on money. Right? That's really the only times we talk about money unless we're taking up an offering. This is why. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what Jesus says. Wherever your money is, that is where your heart would be also. Luke Luke uh, 12 says it like this in the message translation, and I love this. The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be or end up being. Listen to this. Money is an indicator of where my heart is currently. My money tells me where my heart is currently. My money tells me where I want my heart to go. And my money is an indicator of where my heart is going. Money is not good or bad. It's just money. Listen, this is how money, you have to see money as a tool. This is what, this is what 1 Timothy 6 says. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money. Listen, do not trust in your money because it's so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need. I love this. For our enjoyment. For our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up treasures as a good, down, uh, as a good foundation for the future. So that they might experience true life. Money is for our enjoyment. It's not for our love and it's not for our hate. And the only way that you can enjoy money is that if you, if you give it a job. You have to give it a job. I do not love money. I do not hate money. I do enjoy money. Because I see my money as a tool. And because I see my t- money as a tool, I use money. Money does not use me. Right? I've given my money a job because it is a tool, and you should as well, because you are not a tool to be used by money. 
And if you don't give money a job, it'll treat you like a tool. It'll treat you like a tool. When we use money as a tool, when we give it a job, generosity dethrones the love of money from our hearts. Generosity dethrones the love of money from our hearts. Listen, this is what 1 Timothy 6 says. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I watched a documentary recently about a very famous football player. I don't condone all the language in the documentary, but it was very revealing. It's about Johnny Manziel. And Johnny Manziel is a normal college student, normal kid, living his life, playing football, college athlete. And he gets to college and he sees this. He sees that Texas A&M made $45 million off of his jersey sales. And the NCAA like president, like this is when the NIL thing got started rolling. It's like, wait a minute. These college players are bringing billions of dollars to our school. Don't we think it's probably a good idea that we give them a little chunk of it? Right? And this is what the, this is what the NCAA president said. We will never give college students money as long as I'm the president. So you know what he did? He went and made money himself illegally. So this dude who loved money so much sinned against someone who was making him a lot of money. And then this dude goes out and sins making all types of money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not the root of evil. It's all kinds of evil. The love of money will get you in all sorts of trouble. It will get, if you love money, you will spend your life restless trying to make more. You will. Listen, no, work, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and you will love the other. You'll be devoted to one or you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. It's a terrible God that overpromises and underdelivers every single time. Money overpromises and underdelivers every single time. Tell me a time that you got a raise that you weren't discontent in the next three months. A time in your life where you said, if I can make this much money, I'll be happy. And you make that much money and you're not happy. Because in our hearts, we have decided that it's probably good if we just build bigger barns. If we just acquire more. Last thing. God, Jansen, you can come on up. If you want to become generous, you need to get a plan. You need to give. And you need to expect this next one. God will trust you with more responsibility. If you get a plan and you stick to it and you give, God will trust you with more responsibility. Notice I did not say more for the sake of more. He will trust you with more for a bigger responsibility. 
He will trust you with more. I've, listen, there's always, there's always this tension around money. What I actually thought about doing today, I thought about just calling everyone up who gives in our congregation, just let them share their story. Because I like in this in this room alone, I probably see like 40 stories just off the top of my head about how when they got a plan and when they were generous, God began to trust them with more. Why? For the sake of more responsibility. It's not so that you can be rich. Nobody, listen, nobody cares if you're rich. There's people who are richer. There's people who are richer. There's people who have more money. A lot is relative. Like when you go up to a multi-millionaire and you say that costs $200, they're swiping the card. When you go up to someone who makes $40,000 a year, you say that's $200, you got to think about that. A lot's relative. $200 is not a lot for those who make multi-million dollars. $200 is not a lot for some of you in this room. But the purpose for you having, the purpose for you being blessed by God in the area of finances is Genesis 12. So that you can bless others. So that you can bless others. Listen, when we are trusted with more responsibilities, our minds need to think like this. Longer tables, not taller fences. Longer tables, not taller fences. That's what we're going to do here. Right? That's what we're going to do here. You know, we could have got out of this building and got a lease at another building that's bigger than this building that costs way more. But we didn't. Why? Because we can do everything right now that we need to do in this building and be financially stable. And while we're still here, we can continue to build a longer table. So when God gives us money, my, my mind doesn't go to, man, I can't wait to drop a bunch of money on a new building. Even though that is a desire that I have. That's not where my mind goes first. It always goes to, okay, who, who can we give to? Who can we help? When we have a surplus of income, we try to give it away. The Listen, I, I am honest to God telling you the honest to God truth. The biggest expense that we have factored into our operations budget is giving. The biggest expense that we have factored into our operations budget is giving. Last year, we gave away 15% of our income as a church. So like, I don't just tell people to give. We actually give. Like, we actually practice what we say. It's because a lot of you in this room are generous. It really is. It's because of your generosity. Listen, I've always heard this, and I, I never understood what it meant, but now I know exactly what it means. Ministry moves at the speed of generosity. And I always thought that sounded like slimy. But now I'm 
older and know what it means. Ministry, helping as many people as humanly possible, takes money. And it moves at that speed. Listen, this year, like where your money's going, like this year upcoming at Thanksgiving, we're feeding 80 families. 80 families. A full Thanksgiving dinner. 80 families that can't, that can't afford to buy it. And when they come here, don't tell them this, we're writing them a $150 check to help with Christmas. All 80 of them. Right? That's like $15,000. We could spend that on a lot. I could spend $15,000 like that. Church stuff is expensive. Somebody said, I see a market. <laughs> really what they said is, I see all these greedy people. How can, I take it? How can I take advantage of them? And they just priced everything really high and we buy the crap out of it. We are going to remove the pain and the burden for some families this year. Around, and it's specific, man. It's so intentional for our community because all those seasons, our, our culture tells you that's the season that you're supposed to get something. And before we ever get anything, we give. We give. Before we ever get anything. If it empties the bank account, we give and trust God. We've done that before. We've done that before. We want to, at some point, build a bigger building. We want to do that. Not for the sake of having a bigger building. Like, who cares about that? Who cares? You know the only people that care about buying impressive things in ministry? People in ministry. People on meth don't care about that. People who are hungry don't care about your building size. People who don't have a way to get to their job every day, they don't give a crap about that. They don't care. People who are hurting and broken, they could give two craps less if you have a $45 million building and paid cash for it. They do not give a crap. They want to know where they're going to get their next meal from. And the reason that we're building a bigger building is so that they can say, oh yeah, on Tuesdays or Monday nights, we can go get some food from there. The number one motivation in us building a bigger building, I promise you, this has been my motivation from the beginning, is so that we can do more ministry out of it to hurting and broken people. I already have, like I've already been thinking about square footage. How much will we need for an industrial sized kitchen with a roll up door so that we can just cook in there and then feed people who come in? Like there's already been members of our church that have said, hey, do you think that we can buy enough property so that we can have a church garden and I'll work it so that I can, I can grow food so that these people aren't, aren't just, they aren't just getting fed, they're getting nourished? Like I've already factored in the square footage of how much it would take to, to build an entire pantry. We're like, hey, during office hours, you can just come get what you can get. Just come get. I've already factored all of it in. I've already thought about it. It's already in my mind. 
And we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Starting, starting in the fall, we're actually launching a, a campaign to buy that facility. And we're going to call it Build It. We want to build a resting place for people where they can come get whatever they need. God doesn't give you money so that you can have a lot of money. God gives you money so that you can give it away. And I can tell you this, me and Anna have practiced this since we have been married. I promise you this. I promise you this. You can ask Anna this. There is... There is never a week where when I send my offering over, that it doesn't do something to me. There's never a time where I just reluctantly just give. You can set it up on auto-draft. I don't want to set it up on auto-draft. I want to be intentional. I want to be wherever I'm at. I want to say, Lord, multiply this. Turn this whatever into so much so that we can meet all of the needs of the people around us. Money. Money is a tool in the hand of the generous or a God in the heart of the greedy. And you have to decide what it wants to be for you. You get to make that choice. And you can be generous. Being generous does not mean an amount. God doesn't work that way. I know people, I remember one time I was preaching at a church and I about lost it when this happened. This homeless guy walks in and he is in the back and he asks for some money and the guy like hands him money and he, it's like in fives and ones and all this, it's like 20 bucks and like they're taking up offering and you had to walk down to the front in their church and he like walks down with money that he was just given and he didn't have any money when he walked in to give in the offering. It was like $2. That's generosity. Because it's not about an amount. My friend stops him after service. He's like, why would you do that? He's like, I know that everything that I have comes from God. And this dude is homeless. Generosity is about your heart. It's not about obligation. It's not about following the law. It's not about that. At some point, you have to move past it being an obligation. You have to move past that and see it as an opportunity for God to use your giving to dethrone the God of money, materialism, consumerism that all of us have in here. That's what generosity does. You stand to your feet with me.
And I'm not going to, I'm not going to take up an offering in this moment. And I have never said this in 10 years that I have been preaching. I have never said this statement, especially after I have preached about money. But I feel this so strongly today. I feel that some of you in the room, you need to give an offering this morning. And I'm not going to tell you an amount to give. I'm not going to manipulate you to give. But I am, I am just, even, even if it's a dollar, I don't care how much it is. You need to give something. You need to start taking steps. You say, Pastor, I can't do 10%. Do 2%. I can't, I can't do 2% yet. Do something. Give 50 cents. Giving is a muscle that grows over time. It's a muscle that grows over time. Remember one time I had, a, I had a friend who was a pastor that rebuked the entire congregation because they weren't giving 10%. I'm like, dude, what a low bar. What's like a low expectation? You mean that Jesus Christ come and save the world and you're rebuking people for not giving 10%? Like, what in the world are you doing? I ask him that, by the way. <laughs> what are you doing? And so this morning, I want to pray for us. And I want you to do what you need to do money-wise. Give, don't give, ignore me, whatever. Never come back to the church because I preached on money. Here's what I would ask. I seriously, I, hope, I, I literally hope and pray to God. You don't even have to come to church here and do it here. Go find a local church and do all of this there. If you hate us, go do it somewhere else. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, we don't need your money. We have money in the bank here. It's not about us getting. It's about your heart being transformed. Like, this is what, this is what, this is what Jesus says about money. He says, I will go get a coin out of the mouth of a fish if people need money. And we're going to be a group of people who are always generous, who are always giving, who are always living generously. And so, Father, this morning, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for their heart. I thank you for who they are. I thank you for what they're doing. I thank you that you are moving them towards generosity. Lord, don't let money be a God in our heart, but let it be a tool in our hand. Lord, today... And every day, let us be intentional about giving. Let us be intentional about being generous. Lord, make us, make us a generous people. We, we, want, we want what you said to Abraham. We want you to make us into a great nation. We want you to bless us. We want you to make us known. But more than that, we want... We want you to do that because we are a blessing to others. We want the promise of Malachi 3 that all the nations of the world will call us blessed not because we have a bunch of money but because we give a bunch away. Lord, we thank you today. Your good, your mercy endures forever. Send us into our week blessed with favor with grace and mercy
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for being a part of Resting Place Church. I love you guys, and I will see you all next week at 10.30 a.m. I'm talking about we serve our neighbor next week, and it's going to be a good one. So.